Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer requests, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. I want to give you guys a small part of my story of God's faithfulness this morning. My story of God's faithfulness. It's kind of a transitional message we're going to be getting into in August. Um, faith, the enemy of fear. Somebody say faith. Somebody say the enemy of fear. Say it all together. Faith, the enemy of fear. Faith is the true enemy of fear. So we're going to get into that in August. But today we're going to talk about my story of God's faithfulness. Let's go to Isaiah 46.4, if you would, please. Isaiah 46.4. I love this verse. You've, you've seen it up here before. You've heard me mention it before. This, this verse has carried me through some tough times. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. Isn't that powerful? I made you, and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. I think when the last five years mom battling with illness and she had ups and downs and maybe more downs than ups and really it was it was a long process of grieving because mom was fighting cancer for years and even before that she was fighting cancer but especially since 2013 man verses like this really carried me along and meeting with people did you know meeting in smaller groups really touched my heart being able to meet with my small group I remember those nights at my small group at Heroic. We'd meet over here at the gym building up in my office, and I'd be able to confide in guys like Barry and Noe and Matthew and Johnny and different folks in my small group. My Heroic group were now Connect groups. I'd be able to say, man, it's tough, and I'd shed some tears over the years. I'd say, it's tough, man, what we're going through. And you've got to be able to go back to God's Word and see that He's faithful no matter what. Are you with me this morning? You've got to be able to go back to God's Word and see that He's faithful no matter what. And many times you can't go back to God's Word if you've never been in His Word. There's always a first time for everything. I understand that. You've got to be able to get to a place where you say, I'm going to get in the Word now. But if you're not in the Word often, then you don't know what it says. You're going to have to take my word for it on Sundays or Wednesdays or, or maybe when you meet in your connect group. But you've got to be at a place where you can say, wait, does the Bible mention something about this or did I hear something about that? You've got to have a foundation to go back to and stand on. Let's go to Psalm 37, verse 39. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. What is a godly person? Someone who wants to be like Jesus, even if you're struggling. That's the godly. You, you live right because you want to. You live right because you've chosen to live right. You understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are right with God. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in Him. I was born into a pretty good family. I'll tell you right now. Mom and Dad always loved me. I'm the firstborn, and Spirit-filled family. They loved God. Dad was already a pastor. Mom was a daughter of missionaries. My dad had accepted Jesus at like age eight. I think my mom had accepted Jesus at age five. They'd lived their lives as believers. They were believers long before they met me or welcomed me into the world. So I was born in Española, New Mexico and got to be part of the family, a pastor's family, which is not always easy. I'm going to tell you right now, your life, especially at a young age, it molds you, doesn't it? And I loved church, man, I did. I loved church. I was pretty clever. I would uh, take up private offerings at church. Did y'all ever know that about me? 
I would take up private offerings. I would, I would go around and ask people for, I remember this. Now, there's probably other parts of it I don't remember. Mom would know more details, but she's with Jesus now. So maybe she's laughing up there too right now. I would ask people and see if they had any big quarters. Y'all don't know what a big quarter is. A big quarter is a 50-cent piece. Y'all remember the 50-cent pieces? I loved those. And I especially loved the ones that had my date of birth on them, my year of birth, 1976. So I'd go, do you have any big quarters? And it was crazy because after a while, and I don't know how it started. I think it was one of those deals of I liked coins, and so I was collecting coins just to have them. But people would even give me paper money. And I'd get home, and here we are, here we are in Roswell, New Mexico. At the time, I was an only child. And, hey, times weren't always easy. We were getting through it. We were poor, you know. But God was with us. We always had enough. God was with us. He was always faithful. We always had a nice place to stay, a church parsonage or a home dad was buying or wherever we lived, a trailer or a home. We were always blessed that way. We always had enough food, praise God, enough clothes. But I'm going to tell you this right now. We were short on money sometimes, and I'd get home, and I'd have a bunch of wads of paper money in my pockets. And I'd get home, and they'd go, what do you have in your pockets? And I'd get the paper and throw it away. Yeah, and Dad's like, don't throw that away. We're going to Dairy Queen. But I wanted the coins. And then mom figured out, said, wait, how are you getting this money? And it turned out they, they figured out somehow that I was asking for money somehow. So they forbade me from asking for money. So instead of asking for money, I'd go to people and I'd go, I'd go, man, you know what? I'd go, I have no money. <laughs> and I don't know, Jesse. I don't know if I was just cute back then. I don't know what it was. But can you imagine walking up to somebody going, I have no money, and they give you money? That's pretty magical. That's pretty magical. It touches my heart just to think about it. I don't know if I'm proud of it, but I, maybe I am. Maybe I am. But praise God, I have no money, and they gave me money. So they figured it out. And, I, they, and they also figured out I didn't like the paper money. But I continued to bring in a small harvest, and then I don't remember when that stopped. And I think it was when I went to my grandma Treadwell, and I said, Grandma, I collect quarters. And she was smarter than me. She said, so do I. So I don't think I'm going to part with any right now. So then Jonathan was born, and Jonathan, oh, man, he was, I wanted, I wanted a, I wanted siblings. I didn't want to be the only one. So Jonathan was born. He was the love of my life, and I didn't think I could love anybody that much until my baby sister was born. And I loved them. And Elaine, as you notice, she, we have some Native American blood, about 15%, and it showed up in my little sister. She looks more Hispanic, looks more Native American, and she's got smaller eyes than me. And I told Mom, I said, Mom, that's my Chinese baby. <laughs> and I loved her so much. And I loved my brother so much. And how many of you know that your family forms you? Good, bad, ugly, your family forms you. We were not perfect. We had our issues. We had our problems. We had generational curses we had to break, things that were coming down through the generation. Some of, some of you have seen things in your life, and you're like, why do I think that way? It was something that was done to me at home, or it just came down. It seemed natural to me. Maybe to struggle with lust or anger or jealousy, something you struggled with. And I'm going to give you some more of my story in that area today, something that happened to me. But... Mom and Dad and John and Elaine were the loves of my life. And I struggled in areas as a kid. <clears throat> I struggled with the temper. I wasn't always the best big brother. Elaine may tell you different, but maybe she's lying. And even John. I mean, I was rough sometimes. 
I struggle with jealousy and I struggle with anger and I had a violent little temper growing up and God had to deal with me. And at some point in my life, God delivered me from that. Praise God. But I struggled in some areas. But I learned from family, my family, how to love and be loved. I learned how to love Jesus. I learned how to love my family. And I, 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 was, I was told at five years of age, Jonathan had just been born and dad would leave on a missionary trip and he'd say, you're the man of the house now. And I was a little bitty guy like that. Ears sticking out, hair sticking out. You're the man of the house. After one trip, he came home and brought me a Daisy BB gun. You guys remember those? I think at some point you could shoot the Daisy BB gun and it would arc like that. I think crows would see the BB, gu BB coming and they would go. <laughs> I think dogs, dogs that were trying to get in the yard and stuff, they'd see the BB coming and they'd go. They'd just move out of the way. But here I was. I, th I thought I was the man of the house when Dad left. I really believed him. But I learned to love, and I learned to be committed, and I learned how to, how, to, how to deal with other humans, right? It's not always easy. And we learned how to love Jesus at home. So that's a large part of this story. And man, we had our share of hurts. We had to forgive each other. I believe mom and dad had to forgive me a lot, but I had to forgive them too. I, I know that the enemy attacks your, attacks your relationship with your dad, doesn't he? Whether dad's not there or he's there and there's misunderstandings or he's, he struggles in his areas. And man, my dad was great in so many ways, but we struggled in our areas. He came from the family he came from. And we had to work it out. We bumped heads a lot. And I think I was hard for them to raise me sometimes. But praise God, I turned out okay. They didn't give up on me and they prayed for me. And then, as a family, we learned forgiveness and how to walk in it. We learned how to walk in forgiveness. Mom was real big on that. She always talked about, look, you've got to learn to forgive. You have to forgive. You can't just stay there. My mom was big on this. She would say, decide. Decide and die to that emotion. Some people don't like to hear that. They say, no, I want those emotions until they wipe me out. And some of us are more emotional than others. We are what they call soulish. We're all about the soul. I'm a soul man. You ever heard that song? Some people are like, I'm all about the soul. I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel and see and touch it. And that's it. I'm going to live by that. No, but you got to live by faith. And mom and dad taught me that. Mom said, no, you have to die to that emotion or that's going to wipe you out. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. So I learned about forgiveness and, and working it out with people. But I'll never forget, we were living in a trailer in Roswell. It was before we moved away. Jonathan and Elaine were already born, I believe. And I went to a neighbor's house, and I was, I was sexually abused. It was brief. It was brief. But the devil was trying, to t he was trying to change the story of my life. And maybe that happened to some of you in here. And this is, is going to catch some people's attention because maybe you've never told anybody. Maybe you're ashamed. Maybe you've blamed yourself. I, I wasn't even going to go in this direction exactly, but somebody needs to hear this this morning. Maybe you were touched inappropriately. Maybe it went further than that. But it was sexual abuse, and it was, it was being molested, and that is no fun, and it changes your life. And man, the neighbor, I had no problem with the neighbors. It was seemingly harmless, harmless but it, how many of you know it is not harmless? Anything that is sexual outside of marriage is not harmless. It does you damage. And I began to see, I believe there was already, generationally, my dad had broken many curses, but I believe generationally, the enemy was sending a, a spirit of perversion after me. And it, it's, it's running rampant in this world now. There's not only perversion between men and women, but now there's lots of homosexuality, lesbianism, and, and men with men and women with women and lots of other problems. And now they're trying to make it okay for, for, for 
different things to go on sexually. I'm not even going to get into all that. But it's perversion and it's lust. And the devil had a plan for me. The enemy said, I see a calling on your life and I'm going to rob it from you. I'm going to write a different story. Because by that time I was six years of age, a man of God had already come to me and my brother. I don't know if my baby sister was born yet. I don't think she was. It was just me and my baby brother. He was tiny. He was tiny. I was like five to six. I don't know. And he said, these two are going to be men of God. They're going to lead in the kingdom of God. So I'm a little boy. And the, the enemy, you think he heard that? Yeah. The enemy knows that you're dangerous to his kingdom. The enemy knows that what you have is important. The enemy knows that what you've been through is your testimony. I've heard crazy stuff. I've heard men and women of God say, we're going to pray that God gives you a testimony. Honey, child, we already have a testimony. We have a testimony. It's being tested and making it. It's being tested, making it, and then saying, God brought me through this somehow by his faithfulness. This is my story of God's faithfulness. So I see that after that, it seemed like people were always approaching me, even Christian kids with dirty magazines and stuff, trying to hunt me down. I remember staying with Christian kids. They were trying to show me dirty videos. So I had a weakness for that, but it was chasing me, and I hated it, and I ran from it so many times, and I hated it. And the enemy was trying to write a different story for me than the one God had planned. Let's go to Psalm 86.2 real quick. And the, this, this perversion that the devil tried to put on me and tried to make it mine and tried to tell me you'll never escape from this, I'm gonna, I, I'll never forget. I remember the enemy telling me I'm going to get this and I'm going to wrap it around your neck and I'm going to kill you with it. I'm going to choke you to death with this weakness. I'm going to wipe you off the face of the earth and you're going to be mine. I remember the devil lying to me when I was a kid after I'd accepted Jesus and he said, I'm going to take you to hell with me. I don't care who you were raised with. I don't care who you are, the calling of God on your life. I'm going to take you to hell with me. And it's a lie. Every person in, in here is going to be in heaven with me someday. More importantly, with Jesus and your loved ones. You're going to go to heaven. How many of you love God in here? Raise your hand. Be honest. Say, I, man, I really do love God. All right. That's everybody in this house. Some of you are thinking of that song every time I ask you that. You love God. Well, then you're going to live like it, and you're going to go be with him in heaven. This is me t calling out to God when I was struggling in my life with my weaknesses. Protect me, God, for I'm devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Look at this one, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. God protected me through all kinds of stuff, even in my weakness. He began to even show me that I could be delivered. I could be free. God gave people dreams and visions. I had accountability at some point because I was in a small group, right? Back then we called them cell groups. Now they're connect groups. But the enemy almost destroyed me through that. And then one day, it's like I'm showing you some different sections of my life. Then one day at the age of 30, I got married. I married the love of my life. We'd only known each other at that point. Let's see, when I asked her to marry, let's see, when I got married, wow, 2006. We'd only known each other just about four years. And I'd only asked her to marry me six months before. And I believe when I got married, I feel like it was a new level of accountability because I loved God so much, but I also loved the treasure that he had given me. So there were some problems I didn't keep running from. Some I tried to. But God brought a new level of accountability after I got married. 
And a new level of me saying, man, I want to be healed so I can be a better man for this woman. I want to be healed because I can be the man of God for this woman and for this church. And I want to be healed. And Lord, I, and, and my wife's told me over the years, no, you're the best man I know. No, you're, you're a man of God. And she's told me these things. And one, one man years ago said, man, if we were half as good as our moms and our wives thought we were, we'd be amazing. <laughs> that was years ago a guy said that. But I, I realized that after I got married, I said, Lord, I've got to go to a new level with you because now I'm responsible for a family, and one day we'll have kids, but I've got to take care of my wife. And Lord, the way you've loved the church, I need to love my wife. And I struggle with things, but God began to deliver me. And in marriage, once again, I began to learn more about forgiveness. Forgiving and, for me, most importantly, being forgiven. Commitment. Communication. I thought just because I talked a lot, I was a brilliant communicator. No, just, brother, just because stuff's coming out your mouth don't mean it's the right stuff. Okay? Somebody said in the hood when I was growing up, they told me, y'all are going to appreciate this one. They said, that's ignorant. Y'all know that word? That's ignorant. That's ignorant with less syllables. They said, man, you're ignorant. And I was ignorant in some ways. I was. I mean, I had to learn to communicate better. And man, we, I already loved my wife like crazy, but we began, we loved each other so much and we poured out our love on each other. And that's part of my story is just loving and learning to be loved and forgiving. And you know what I've learned about love? Is I don't love to get something. I don't know about you, but I've, I've come to the realization years ago that I don't love to get something. I don't love you just because of what you can give me. I mean, it's part of it sometimes. Say, man, I love you. The way you treat me, man, I love you. I love you. But, man, honestly, we've been commanded to love God and to love people and to love people regardless of how they act. You may not want to hang out with them or be friends with them, but you got to love them. And you got to love people. you got to practice it. you got to practice to love when you're not getting anything out of it. You put stuff in and you say, man, I'm not, I'm not getting anything out of this. Well, it may not be a very productive relationship. They're not going to be your best friend. You may not hang out with them. You need to love that family member. You need to love that person in your life. Just love them. And I know the world over the years said all we need is love. And that's true. But apart from God, you can't have love. If, you, if you're not walking and learning to walk in God's love, your love is going to be cracked because your love will always be, I'll love you if you'll do that for me. I'll love you if you act right. Yeah, I love you, but you need to start talking right to me. I love you, but uh, you need to start giving me some money. I don't know. People are crazy. Who knows all the things they've said? I've heard lots of crazy stuff over the years. You need to just love. Can you imagine if God says, I'm going to love you, but only if you will do exactly what I say? No, here's the truth of the matter. You can have more favor with God because you're obedient, and his promises will come into play when you're obedient. But God is never going to love you any more than he loves you right now. Are you with me? God is never going to love you any more than he already loves you right now, no matter what you do. He wants you in heaven with him. He loves you passionately, but he's never going to love you any more than he loves you right now. So I want to give you a few points, and I'm going to begin to wrap this up, and then we're going to pray because it's important today how we pray. I believe God is going to touch some hearts today and, and heal some souls and help you to forgive today. This is my list for me. You can share in it. You can borrow it. You can steal it. You can plagiarize it. I didn't borrow this from anybody unless I... 
I did subconsciously some parts of it. You know, we're all parts of a whole. Many times we learn things and they become our own. But this is a list. It's original. Came up with it because I feel like God gave it to me. I have no excuses. Because I have no excuses, I don't try to make up any. I have no excuses. Some of you say, man, Pastor Matt, I was raised in a rough, terrible home. It was way worse than yours. You don't have an excuse either. You know why? Have you ever heard of a guy named Nick Vujicic? He's a man of God. He goes all over the world and speaks. And he has no arms and no legs, and he has no excuses. So he's one of those classic robbers of excuses. Because if he doesn't have an excuse, I sure as heck, honey, I don't have an excuse, do I? No arms and no legs. And he married the love of his life and has two kids now. No arms and no legs and travels around. And I'm going to tell you what. I've sat under great men and women of God over the years. And I've, I've, I've felt the anointing when I've sat under people. You know God's presence and you just it's overwhelming. I got to hear this guy speak one time in 2010. We were there together. And the anointing on that guy's life was shocking. I felt like I was in God's presence. I felt like Jesus was in the house. I mean, this guy, Nick Vujicic, Nick Vujicic was talking, and he's tiny because he doesn't have legs. He has part of a little foot. He has no arms, and they kind of just sit him on a table so he can talk to you. And he's the most engaging, most amazing, loving person, and he's not bitter, and he's not blaming God. Man, he wanted to kill himself, and I think he's made jokes about that. He wanted to kill himself, but he couldn't, <laughs> you know. Kind of dark humor there. It's like me getting mad at y'all and going, I'm going to do my hair differently. <laughs> if I did it a different way, you'd be like, oh, shave that mess. I have no excuses. Nick Vujicic has no excuses. Jesus has none. My dad's never made excuses. I'm not going to make any excuses. I have no excuses. How about this? Point two, today is, today is the day. Don't keep putting stuff off. Procrastination is the enemy of not just, not just you being able to produce and having productivity, but I believe procrastination ruins relationships. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them, but I'm gonna, I'll tell them later. I'm going to do that, but I'll do it later. Man, there was a saying in Mexico years ago, and it was over an arched entryway into a house or a hacienda or a business or something. It said, mañana nunca viene. Tomorrow never comes. It's always tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. I'm reminded of the Rocky movie. Apollo Creed told Sylvester Stallone when he was training, he said, yeah, man, we'll just work on it tomorrow, man. Remember? Apollo Creed said, there is no tomorrow. It's either now or never. Today is the day. Today is the day. I remember when I came to this conclusion, when God was dealing with me about areas in my life, and I said, this is not going to kill me. I'm going to win. I'm going to have help. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to cast the devil off myself. I'm going to have them cast the devil off me. They're going to pray for me. I'm going to stand up. I'm a man of God. I have this weakness, but it's not going to drown me. It's not going to kill me. I decided one day that today is the day. A long time ago, years ago, I said, today's the day. I won't do this. I'm not going to allow the enemy to destroy me with this weakness. Today is the day. That's number two. Right now, Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Today, right now. Right now means right now. In the Greek, it means right now. In the Hebrew, it means right now. In Spanish, it's right right now. In English, it's right now. Today is the day. Let's do it. Let's not put it off anymore. You got a, a weakness? You need to forgive someone? You need to apologize to someone? Today is the day. Let that be part of your story. 
Point three, I, this is my commitment to you and to God. I'll keep moving forward because God, my God, your God is faithful. Your God is faithful. My God is faithful. He promised to never leave me nor forsake me. The darkest times of my life he's been with me. The darkest times. So I have no excuses today because today is the day. And because today is the day, I'm going to get something done. I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to honor God today. I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to work on me today with God's help. I'm going to allow God to work on me today. Because I have no excuses and today is the day, I'll keep moving forward because God is faithful. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are today. If you would, please.